0: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And I have to know, John, I've heard rumors. Is it true that you're part of a class action lawsuit to get the result of our 2018 NFL picks competition voided?
1: Uh, No, Eric. uh, Unfortunately, the picks are all over the internet. (laughs) Uh, It it could be worse. You know, we could have teamed to finish under 500 this year. So uh, and you know, who knows, maybe people won't know where to find those previous podcast episodes.
0: (laughs) Uh, So I should uh, ditch the part uh, that's coming up here every week where I say where you can find our previous episodes. Should I should I scratch that just this one time? Uh, Continue on. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 24 of Gamble On. The previous 23 episodes are available nowhere on the Internet. Don't look for them. Uh, <laughs> uh, or if you must uh, and you just want to skip the part where we make bad picks, you can find them all on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple podcast app where you can and should subscribe, rate and review. And
1: uh, coming up a little later on the podcast, we'll be speaking to David Schwartz, the director of the Center for Gaming Research at UNLV. And he's a noted author, and expert on the Wire Act. So, hopefully, David can provide some clarity about that. Department of Justice recently issued an opinion uh, on that act. And uh, first, though, it's been another busy news week in the gambling world. So, let's get to it, Eric.
2: Here's your Gamble On
1: News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
0: our first story this week. Uh, we hit on this in the opening banter there just a bit, uh, but there are some frivolous lawsuits flying around in the sports betting industry at the moment and a lot of controversy over the end of the Saints-Rams game specifically. Uh, so we're going to combine a few related news items into one conversation here uh, in case any of you listeners somehow missed the end of the NFC Championship game. The referees missed an obvious pass interference call that would have almost certainly locked up a Saints victory, but instead the Rams went on to win in overtime. So two Saints fans, with the help of a Louisiana personal injury lawyer, and we're not going to give them the free publicity of saying their names, but they're suing the NFL, demanding that the end of the game be replayed. Seriously. Uh, the implications with sports betting and the so-called integrity of the NFL are obvious, uh, and sports betting became more than just an implied part of the story when the New Jersey site points bet Decided to refund Saints betters. Uh, I should note that they did so in the form of site credit, not actual cash, and only up to $100. But still, uh, this is a PR move that should be familiar uh, to those who, who follow this industry. Uh, for a new sports betting company trying to gain traction, they're not the first to do something like this. Um, and then, in other lawsuit news related to sports betting, a class action suit has been filed against DraftKings for the sports betting national championship controversy that we discussed. the podcast last week so uh john do you see either lawsuit going anywhere and do you see any of this as bad publicity for the sports betting business uh
1: lots to unravel there um saints lawsuit obviously has no chance it's just silly um but you know having covered literally thousands of pro and college sporting events over the years i learned a long time ago that the mission of each team really is to outplay the other team to a degree, so that near the end of the game, one bad call or non-call can unravel all that you accomplish. Hmm. So by that measure, both teams, as of the two-minute mark, had failed in their respective missions. So we don't know what's going to happen from there. Now, that non-call was so bad, <laughs> plus I am now out the deluxe pizza topping after the bad beat. Uh, it took me about 24 hours to get back to my long-held observation, um, but it's, it's the right one. Uh, the DraftKings one is more complicated, but I mean, for the most part, it seems like the company had some warnings and rules out there ahead of this. Still, it's not the kind of case that really should stay in court. Uh, let's work out some sort of site credit, for example, uh, you know, and, and, and be done with it. Uh, as far as bad publicity, you know, all of the generic media that I saw was on the Saints losing the game, maybe unfairly. Uh, nothing to do with betting, yeah. uh, not the point spread, not the money line implications. And the DraftKings story didn't get that much traction in the mainstream media either. Um, maybe this is a case where it's just as well that sports betting didn't take up a lot of media oxygen.
0: Yeah, that, that I would agree with that. Um, I see this, if anything, as as just a great example. I'm talking about the the end of the Saints game as a great example to trot out any time an NFL representative uses the phrase integrity fee. This is a great case to say why should we trust you with integrity? Your refs missed a call that swung the NFC championship game uh, and millions of dollars of of bets uh, and all that. These, these things are going to happen whether uh, they're being paid extra for quote unquote integrity or not. Um, I I also see this as a valuable reminder to bet responsibly, you know, don't, don't bet what you can't afford to lose because there is a lot of luck involved in individual sports betting results. You know, I, I, Say treat it like blackjack or poker or whatever, where you know most people should just bet for fun, uh, and you can go ahead and and look for edges where you can find them, but be prepared to lose with some regularity, um, even if you make a bet like Saints money line where you kind of assess the matchup correctly. Uh, He says with some degree of bitterness in his voice, Um, (laughs) but you and me both, (laughs) but I'm certainly with you and with pretty much everyone else on the planet that the saints lawsuit is going nowhere. uh, Whereas the DraftKings suit is more interesting, but as others have pointed out, it's going to be hard to prove damages because nobody can prove how they were going to bet the late game. Some of them have some tweets about what they were maybe planning to do, but still it's just, it's just, Really hard to be able to zero in on, I would have finished with this dollar amount, and so I am owed this amount of money. But I wouldn't be totally shocked to see DraftKings settle by paying out a little. I don't know, maybe refunding the $10,000 entry to people who couldn't bet the late game and ended up outside the money. I don't know. It's hard to predict, but it, it seems possible that DraftKings pays something to people who feel wronged.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense just because it, in general, the the contest was seen as kind of a cool idea, and it kind of worked otherwise. So, right. um, if they can just get this part out of the way, then it's it's much more of a net positive. So this thing will settle.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next story. Uh, in more uh straightforward and, and serious news. Uh, in response to the new Wire Act opinion uh, that we discussed on last week's podcast, and that we'll discuss more with our guest David Schwartz in a few minutes. The Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board sent a letter to its casino licensees telling them that they must comply with this opinion by having all operations intrastate. Uh, That seems to mean not just that there won't be shared poker liquidity, as we expected, but also that servers and payment processors need to be located inside Pennsylvania state borders. Uh, The PGCB seems to be taking a conservative approach to making sure everyone is in compliance Even though it's not entirely clear what the rules are, but the PGCB is bending over backward to be safe, and the consensus opinion is that the launch of online gaming in Pennsylvania might be delayed a bit. Is that how you see it, that this might add a few weeks or even months to the ETA? Well, you know, Eric,
1: I, I learned in a couple of visits to Pennsylvania last month that th- I could tell the, the regulators are sending out signals that they clearly were not going to be playing by a real-life timeline. So mm-hmm. they weren't going to leap forward in case the Eagles got to the Super Bowl, uh Nora Philanova gets hot enough to enter the March Madness title picture. Um, they're just not going to play by that kind of timeline, and probably rightly so if you're a regulator. Um, now, the Department of Justice has put out a 90-day window uh, already for comments and for, and for giving states time to adjust, and I, I'm completely sold that we will not be seeing online gaming in Pennsylvania before the end of that uh, timeline.
0: Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. I I, I spoke with um, industry expert Joe Brennan Jr., uh, no relation to John Brennan, uh, either you or the other John Brennan, no relation to either of you. indeed. I believe so. (laughs) uh, But I spoke to Joe for an article that's up now on U.S. bets, and he even seemed to doubt the part about everything needing to be located in-state. He used the example of William Hill in Nevada being able to advise William Hill in New Jersey on how to set their lines. He said that that's fine within the rules, but maybe that won't fly in Pennsylvania. The The gaming control board just seems to want to take no chances. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you that, that one way or another, this is going to delay the launch of online gaming, uh, keeping my favorite New Jersey Starbucks in business just a bit longer. Um, <laughs> so pr- prior to the Wire Act reversal, we were hearing April or May for online in Pennsylvania. So logically, I might set the line at like... June fifteenth, right now, for day one of legal online gaming in Pennsylvania. If if I set the line at June fifteenth, what do you think, John? You saying sooner or later?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, once once you miss the football season, you miss the football playoffs, yep. and you miss March Madness. Um, you know, from then until September first. Now, you know, baseball did better in New Jersey than pretty much anybody expected, and and so did uh, some tennis and golf. But because people were looking for something to bet on, <laughs> right? But still, you don't have the that. Uh, that that magnitude of betting. So it's not as costly to wait a little longer. So um, I think that let's see, January, February, March, April. Yeah. I mean, I think by May, we may have some better sense of what is really going on with the OJ and whether they're really going to do anything. So um, Pennsylvania just doesn't want to be the uh, the guinea pig, basically, that uh, maybe gets slammed by uh, by the federal government. So uh, they're going to probably wait long enough to see either if, if somebody else gets slammed and they're, they're glad they were hesitant, and uh, if nobody does, then they might figure, well, I guess uh, the water's warm, I'm jumping in.
0: Well, that was a good long way of not quite officially giving me an over or an under <laughs> on June 15th. Come on, we're, we're a gambling podcast. you got to make the uh, call, John. What do you say? I'll say,
1: well, under uh, over means it's later. I'll say over. Yeah. Okay, going over. Okay.
0: Uh, last story here, and, uh, and this is something you wrote about for uh, NJ Online Gambling this week. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook has been crashing lately and at very inconvenient times uh, around the start of the late NFL playoff games each of the last two Sundays. You got a statement from FanDuel spokesman Kevin Hennessy, who said, quote, The response from our users has been incredible, but it has led to stability issues when the site experiences high demand. We are working around the clock to fix these issues, end quote. So basically, the excuse is high traffic. And that's a problem uh, because traffic is likely to get very high on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, You don't get a second chance to make a first impression, uh, or or so they say in commercials for flowers or jewelry or something. Uh, And for a lot of bettors in New Jersey, the Super Bowl will be their first impression of online sports betting. How crucial is it, John, that FanDuel gets this fixed before then?
1: Well, I would say this. Uh, in my tweet about the issue, my GIF, that's G-I-F, and from my fellow AOP, ARP cardholders. That's a three-second video clip you can attach <laughs> to a tweet, which is what you post on a website called Twitter. Uh, was of a nuclear explosion, so <laughs> with, as related to this fanduel issue. So yeah, there's some there's some stakes here. Uh, you know, the irony is that with in-game betting in New Jersey, you might be able to make the exact same bet or nearly so, say a minute or two into the game. So um, you know, not getting your exact pick in at the kickoff. Isn't necessarily a big deal, but the the massive amount of casual players who are going to be arriving that day, as you know, they don't know that, so they're going to be fuming if they feel shut out if the site goes down. And frankly, a lot of them are just going to give up. You know, um, that will walk out of a out of the casino or the racetrack, or they'll just um, walk out of the Starbucks in Fort Lee or or, <laughs> right. or your Starbucks in South Jersey. So, um, so it's a big problem, but it's not to me. It's just not just FanDuel. Um, you know necessarily uh, you know if tom brady twists his ankle tripping over the uh microphone cord of national anthem singer gladys knight just before kickoff no website is getting out of there alive
0: that's for sure <laughs> um yeah i mean i'm trying to decide if if this is more of a fanduel problem or a whole online sports betting in new jersey problem i guess it's a little uh, of both but uh you know if it happens on super bowl sunday but only to fanduel I could see them losing customers and DraftKings or Play sugar house or Points Better or someone picking up those customers um which which leads me around to the side topic of just noting that you know this isn't a monopoly in New Jersey uh but it underlines one of the problems with the DC lottery having a monopoly on sports betting there. You know, if their site crashes, people have no place else to go. So just one more little reason that a monopoly is bad for the customer.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, if FanDuel alone has those problems, then that casual better. they probably don't bet again until March Madness. But guess what? When they get to March Madness, they're not – they wouldn't be playing FanDuel. So, yeah, the stakes are pretty high. Exactly. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On
0: interview. wire act of 1961 has been back in the news the past couple of weeks and few if any have more expertise on the wire act than our guest david schwartz the author of the 2005 book cutting the wire gambling prohibition and the internet david directs the center for gaming research at unlv he also writes for vegas 7 magazine and contributes to mainstream publications such as forbes and he joins us now david welcome to gamble on
2: yeah thanks for having me
0: Uh, So as anyone paying attention to the industry knows, uh, the DOJ released an opinion on the Wire Act back in 2011 that opened the door for states to legalize and regulate online gaming. And last week, the DOJ issued a new opinion on the Wire Act that is causing some anxiety in the online gaming community. A simple question with a complicated answer. How much do you see this new Wire Act opinion impacting regulated online gaming?
2: Well, I think that depends on a couple of things. First of all, it depends on what kind of enforcement actions the Justice Department would take. Second, it would depend on what kind of legal action the states would take to protect what have become for them lucrative online gaming industries.
1: Yeah, David, uh, you know, with so much talk about this opinion. Um, even I, uh, uh, not a lawyer, but uh, I've noticed a lot of uh, misconceptions uh, in the mainstream media. Uh, you know, what kind of things have you seen out there that, you know, uh, given your expertise, you'd kind of want to correct the record on? Huh?
2: Well, first of all, I think people should definitely be aware of the original intent of the WIRE Act, how it came to be what the situation was when it was enacted by Congress back in 1961. This was at the height of Bobby Kennedy, who was the attorney general. I guess Robert F. would be the more formal. It's not like we're buddies or something, so I'll call him Robert F. Uh, <laughs> Kennedy, the, the attorney general, the president's brother, <laughs> who was uh, almost channeling Jack Nicholson from Hoffa there for a second. Uh, Bobby. <laughs> and he, basically, he wanted to shut down the mob, and they he believed at the time the way to shut down the mob would be by shutting down their illegal horse and race betting. There was a huge nationwide network of telegraphs that cross state lines and telephones across state lines that people use to share information on both horse racing and on sports betting. He believed that the way that you would smash the mob would be by criminalizing this activity. You then arrest the bookies. The bookies will then roll on the people running the books. The people running the books will then roll on the people above them in organized crime, and so on and so forth, until you get all the way up to the boss of all bosses. Okay, that was the theory. Might have made a lot of lot of sense in the Justice Department. When it got to real life in the street, though, the bookies they arrested were what much more fearful of the bosses of all bosses than they were of uh, the than they were the Department of Justice. So nobody rolled. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. didn't make a difference. So that was pretty much, that was the intent, and that's it was not designed to really limit gambling. It was designed specifically to attack organized crime.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And about the, uh, the, people talk about the UIGEA Act of, I think it was 2006. Um, what did that actually do, and, and does this opinion alter that in any
2: way? Well, that was designed to make it illegal to fund the, to basically to fund illegal internet gambling. So that wouldn't affect any legal internet casino. That basically criminalizes the funding of illegal internet gambling. So I don't think that would impact anything that was legal and regulated.
0: So the one thing that seems to be the consensus opinion about this new DOJ ruling in terms of what it definitely will impact is is interstate online poker. Do you, do you see that as, as something that that is definitely going to suffer a, a serious blow?
2: Yeah, I think it will, you know, unless there is some kind of legal action to defend that. You you know, in my reading of the act, it shouldn't, because what I read, it says nothing. I'm reading from Section B of, or Clause B of Section 184 of the statute, which says nothing in this section shall be construed to prevent blah, 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 um, information assisting the placing of bets or wagers, on a sporting event or contest from a state where betting on that sporting event or contest is legal, into a state in which such betting is legal. So, to me, that would say it wouldn't affect transmission of information between states where it's legal. But I'm not a lawyer; I don't work for the justice department, so all do I know, <laughs> right? I can just read. And I guess aside from
0: what uh, you know, what may be enforced, and and what the legal uh, implications might be, it does seem that the, that. Just sort of the for payment processors, just sort of there's an element of of scare tactic perhaps going on here that this could make uh, them nervous, regardless of what the the letter of the law ends up saying.
2: I think there is. I think it definitely complicates things. I think it may have some chilling effect on payment processors, which would have just the same impact as a totally, you know, legal ban on the interstate transmission of things over the internet. So I think it could have some very worrying effects.
0: Okay. Um, On a totally different subject, we're closing in on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, You're from New Jersey, but live in Vegas. Uh, Last year, uh, Vegas did $158 million in sports betting handle on the Super Bowl. I'm curious, any guess how New Jersey's handle with, with all the ease of online betting will stack up against Vegas's handle in this first year of legal betting in New Jersey?
2: Well, I think they're still ramping up, so I think they're they're they've got some way to go. I think this year's handle is probably not going to be the top number that they're going to have in the next couple years. But I think it'll definitely be competitive, and I think it's going to show people what this market is capable of.
0: right. O- overall, are you uh, has the online market in you know this first six months or so that it's been active uh, lived up to what what you might have expected?
2: I think it has, you know, again keeping in mind that this was never going to be something that was going to change everything about life in New Jersey, it was going to be an incremental addition of gaming revenue, and I think if you had those kinds of kinds of realistic expectations going in, you would not be disappointed
1: uh david you know for years wall street analysts uh, at the annual east coast gaming congress i've been going to for 15 years or so uh they would say the 12 casinos was way too many and obviously the people in the audience didn't want to hear that but uh you know they were kind of being straight shooters and uh suddenly a few years back we dipped to seven uh seemingly overnight uh now two more casinos opened last year uh, hard rock and ocean resort so now we have nine in your uh, former hometown of atlantic city uh you know based on the 2018 revenue numbers and I know you uh, you do deep dives on all those every month um, does nine casinos seem like a reasonable number and, and just generally what other observations do you have about
2: Atlantic City's long-term future I think the people who say that too many 12 casinos is too many you know for yes if that is what you're offering people, 12 of those kinds of casinos is too many. But if you look at Las Vegas, they've got more, way more than 12 casinos and they seem to be doing well. And I don't think that, you know, looking at the history of Las Vegas, that was never a concern that, oh, there's too many casinos. Like, yeah, it's going to drive down margins for the people, for some of the operators. But if they're offering a product that people like, it's going to increase visitation. That was always the idea, you know, the rising tide that lifts all boats. So I think that... If you, you know, it's sort of like the prevent defense in football where they say all that prevents is you winning Mm -hmm. to kind of go with the sports betting thing. (laughs) You know, if your conception of the market is it's a finite market. And the only way to protect your market share is to keep other people out. I just don't see that as being a winning strategy for growth in the long term, you know, not just for your property, but for the whole market. I think if you look at the places that have actually had growth, they have embraced new competition and upped their game. You know, if Las Vegas just built a big arena, now they're building a stadium. Now Las Vegas Sands is building another arena. You know, I think – that kind of competition is good for everybody. So I've never been somebody to say, well, "Yeah, this is the optimal size for the market is as many casinos," because I think it's a, it's a it's a self-defeating prophecy in a lot of ways, and it it's going to end up shrinking the market because somebody else is going to disagree. Pennsylvania might add more casinos. You know, New York might add more casinos.
1: Yeah. Do you have any optimism though about Atlantic City in general, uh, with the politics and everything optimism. else going on?
2: Yeah, I mean, I always have optimism about Atlantic City. I was born there, and I think that the one thing they've shown throughout their history is, that, you know, us people from Atlantic City, we're resilient, we adapt, we know how to handle hard times, and we know how to keep on chasing the dream.
0: All right, great stuff. Really interesting. It's It's been great talking to you, David. I'll note to our listeners uh, that uh, your, your book, again, uh, Cutting the Wire uh, – just keeps uh, finding ways to become relevant uh, over and over again. And it's certainly well relevant right now. So people can still uh, find that at at Amazon and all of the other usual places. Uh, And uh, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast, David. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Two men, men. $10,000.
1: Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the gamble on
0: bankroll. We have no NFL playoff picks this week. Uh, we'll save our Super Bowl picks for next week. Uh, although I'll quickly note that I went one and one last week. John went zero oh and two. So I'm coming into the Super Bowl at seven and three against the spread in the playoffs. John is ice cold at three and seven. You're you're as cold as Arrowhead Stadium last Sunday, John. Uh, I, I tell
1: you, I, th- I think there have been
0: three easy lopsided picks, and I won them all. <laughs> but I'm not so good on the close ones, on so. the tricky ones. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, while you may be a, a little cold with the NFL picks. Uh, on other fronts, you're doing just fine, and our shared bankroll moved in the right direction this past week, albeit incrementally. We each split our bets. I had $188 on the Saints money line, but I didn't bet it on points bets, so no refund there. Uh, that's just a hard luck loss. Thankfully, I bet double my usual dollars on Manny Pacquiao to beat Adrian Broner by decision at plus 105 odds, and that's exactly what happened. So I turned $200 into $410 there. I think Broner told me he won, didn't told all of us he won, didn't he? <laughs> yes. Thankfully, Broner was not judging his own fight or else I uh, we would have I, I didn't been watch it, money. but I, I know he told me that. So. <laughs> yes. You, you heard that part. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, way, way, way off on how that fight was, uh, was should have been scored. If anything, the judges who gave him four rounds out of 12 were being awfully friendly to him, I thought. <laughs> Um, as for your bets, John, uh, your bet on the Patriots to score the fewest, uh, not the least, but the fewest uh, points on Sunday looked promising at one point. But uh, yeah, didn't pan out. Ultimately cost us $100 as, as the, the, both teams just kept scoring and scoring in that fourth quarter. Um, and you had uh, two bets on uh, Patrick Cantlay, $100 to finish in the top five. Uh, that didn't come through, but $100 to finish in the top 10. That one was a winner at plus 225. Mods. Uh, so after all that, we finished up a combined $47 for the week, meaning we're back in the black by $40. Um, we also have $910 on hold in futures bets, including our Indiana Pacers bet that went straight into the toilet with Victor Oladipo's <laughs> knee injury yesterday. But we won't dwell on that right now. Uh, anyway, that leaves us with $9,130 to bet with this week. And you're up first.
1: Yeah, you know, in retrospect, I, I don't I don't really like the the general play of betting a hundred for a top five and a hundred for a top 10 in golf. Um, because you can see what happened. He gets a second 10 and I barely won any money. So uh, I don't think that was so great. And again, can so, Kelly Kent, was fourth after three rounds. Uh, he was the number three, I would say in terms of pedigree out of the top 15 and three in that last round. Um, he had six birdie putts of 10 feet and in on the first 10 holes. Um, he missed all of them and he dunked a T shot <laughs> in the water to make a seven on an easy par five. Um, so I'll just say, I'm glad to escape with a narrow win and be done with it. <laughs> so you're, um, so you're
0: saying that maybe next time you would do like 100 for the top 10 with 50 on the top five? Yeah, something, something like
1: that. that. And okay. uh, even doing a little variation, uh, let's make the streak continue my winning golf streak. Uh, $50 to win 550 on American veteran Brant Snedeker at 11 to 1 to finish in the top five at uh, Torrey Pines in San Diego. Um, Veteran player, I think he's healthy. A little risky, but be a nice payoff.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, you can never go too wrong with those bets that that pay that big, uh, as long as you're not risking too much. Um, For my first bet, you know, I'm I'm getting some Super Bowl bets in early this week, uh, pouncing on a couple of bets that I like. And with this first bet, it's a line that I think might move between this week and next week. So I'm going to bet it now. The game total is 57 and a half points. I think that number might creep up closer to game time. Could close at 58 or 58 and a half. I like the over at 57 and a half and it's currently -105 for the over on BetStars, not the usual -110. Uh, I like that. So I'll bet $105 to win 100. You know, that the last two Super Bowls have hit 74 points and 62 points uh and I think with the Patriots and Rams, we have about as clear a case of elite offenses and mediocre defenses as we've ever seen in the Super Bowl. Plus, it's always fun to root for the over, as you've said many times. So uh, so I'm locking in the over now.
1: Never out of it with the over. Um, yep. All right. I'll get in the Super Bowl uh, uh scheme of things too then. That sounds good. Uh another modest long shot for me. Uh just go uh fifty at nine to one to win four fifty on Rob Gronkowski, Gronk having the most receiving yards. Uh sure he's looked like toast for a lot of this year mostly, but uh two weeks of rest and his flair for the big stage make it worth a shot at nine to one.
0: Okay. Uh I do like that, uh although uh with the bet I'm about to reveal uh we can't we're highly unlikely to win both of these bets because uh, they're a little bit contradictory um now before i reveal what the bet is here's a stat for you in 52 super bowls 23 times the mvp has been someone other than a quarterback uh, that, that's higher than i might have guessed we tend to think that it's the winning quarterback like 80 percent of the time or something but no only about 55 percent of the time historically uh still obviously brady and goff are the favorites And if it's not going to be one of them for MVP, it's really hard to guess correctly on who it will be, but I'm going to take a shot because I see one number that I really like and it's, 50-1 50-1 on FanDuel for Julian Edelman to be Super Bowl MVP. So now people can see how this contradicts your bet. If, if Gronk has the most receiving yards, I don't <laughs> think Edelman's going to be the MVP. Um, but 50-1, that's just way too high for Tom Brady's favorite target. Uh, I know it takes a special situation for the wide receiver to get it instead of his quarterback. If Edelman has a big game, of course it means Brady had a decent game. Uh, and I'm not even convinced that the Pats will win this game. Uh, we'll discuss that more next week. But Edelman is certainly capable of putting up a huge line like 12 catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns. He returns punts also. So it's a long shot, but it could happen. I can't help but bet $20 to win 1000 and that'll do it for this episode of gamble on thanks to everybody out there for listening you can find me on twitter at eric raskin and john at bergen brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on soundcloud or on itunes or the apple podcast app and with that john it's that time of the show please do the honors and take us out all right thanks eric and uh, kids out there don't gamble with fire I'm the son of a former
1: Fire Department of New York Battalion Chief, so I will remind you, you're probably overdue to replace the batteries on those smoke detectors. And with that, until next time, gamble on.